0: Welcome to the Celtic Way podcast, where we look to bring a fresh vision of spiritual life by nurturing a vibrant, evolving, and sustainable life with God in nature. Celtic spirituality is an ancient tradition of seeing God in everyone and in everything. In this episode, Executive Director of Celtic Way, Scott Jenkins, begins a five part series called Praying with the Seasons. Well, Scott, it's great to be with you again. And we've been having a lot of fun on this podcast, having several different guests talking about a wide variety of topics. I just feel like I learn so much every time I get a chance to be a part of this. But now we're going to get a little more focused. And we are going to talk for, I believe, five weeks on what you're calling Praying around the seasons. Now, prayer for me has always been a little tricky because it's this thing that we do and it's impossible to understand in the context of the wonder of God. And now now you're going to ask me to pray around the seasons as well. So I'm excited to get a little framework around my prayer life. And I love nature. I love the seasons. You're in Colorado. I'm in Wisconsin. We know all about the seasons. So praying around them, I think it should hypothetically make a lot of sense.
1: I think it's going to be really wonderful and to trip you out a little more. Not only are we going to pray around the seasons, we're going to pray with them. I have a new metaphor when it comes to praying with the seasons, so get ready. I've been trying this out for about, oh, 18 months now. And I began one day to think about the seasons as God-given companions. I have to metaphorically Personify them. I have to see them as the other, some companion that is alive and is valuable and that needs my respect. It really anchors me in this place that, well, it's not just people. And then we're here in the midst of this planet and we've got to figure out what to do with this planet. It locates me in the reality that you and I are living with others other life forms, other beings, if you will. And I began to see all of the natural world as my God-given companion that I am there to live with in harmony and respect.
0: I love that. Because in Wisconsin, spring is like the crazy uncle. You never know what he's going to (laughs) do. Summer is like that really beautiful friend that you never want to go away. Fall or autumn, we'll call that like a a wise woman who's got so much good to say. And then winter is just that grumpy old man who you just want to get out of the room. (laughs) This makes tons of sense.
1: Yeah, and given that I'm an old man, I'm not taking that personally, but I... (laughs) But I will tell you, there's a lot to how you've kind of framed this already. I think about, you know, the the ancient Celtic people. And then as I began to study others, indigenous people walked with their environment. They respected it. And all of life for them, there was no separation between spirituality, their work, whether they were working with crops or working with animals. There is no separation about family life. Everything was integrated. Ancient Celtic people didn't have like a calendar on the wall because they didn't celebrate on fixed dates. For example, when springtime came, they would look at the ewes. And when the ewes started lactating and baby sheep were being born and the days were getting longer, they knew, hey, this is springtime. This is in bulk, is what they called it. So in a sense, their calendar was really the rhythm of life around them. And it wasn't just like somebody said, you know, I think it'd be a good idea if we matched our life with the rhythm of nature. No, somebody got right down to it and said, if we're not planting stuff now, we won't have anything in the first harvest in the summer, let alone the harvest in the fall. So cooperating with, respecting integrating this natural cycle into their spirituality, into their farming, the raising of animals, heck, even in warfare. You went to work one summer and you stopped when the winter came. Nobody wants to fight when it's cold. So this was a matter of life and death, realizing down to the very basic level, connecting with our companion nature was essential stuff.
0: This is an important topic today, I think, because there's so much conversation about ecology and there's honestly some debate around it as well. But when it comes to a spiritual standpoint my mind is that our spirituality should be so ingrained in ecology, in nature, in seasons, that for me, like you talked about with indigenous people, and I don't know if you knew this, Scott, but my first career choice as a young boy was to be a Native American until I discovered that I can't be a Polish kid and a Native American at the same time, that (laughs) that wasn't actually a career choice. That was my original plan. And so I've always been very connected with indigenous people and very fascinated with the way that they lived life. And I think, Think that early on in my life also helped me desire to be connected with nature as well. And so I don't think I've ever thought of my spirituality and nature as being two separate things, but I definitely believe that a lot of people, a lot of Americans in our current culture with all these modern realities, whereas if things aren't growing, you still can go to the grocery store, you know, yeah. it's just a little bit removed. So even though ecology is definitely a part of our life, and it's a big topic specifically because of global warming and things like that, you know, some people are more willing than others to enter into this conversation.
1: (laughs) For sure. (laughs) However you look at the world today, the glaciers are still melting at an unexpected rate. So however you figure that out, it's getting warmer everywhere we go. We don't need to belabor that. I think the thing is this. The ecological crisis is a time to take us deeper as well as to do something right on the surface that needs to be done. But not only have we been separated from our natural surroundings, we have objectified them. And I think that for there to be really pervasive change... That change, at least from where I sit and what I can do something about, is to help people discover the change that needs to happen within themselves. We can no longer afford to objectify nature. We have to respect her. We have to love her. We have to honor her. When you think of all of nature as a companion that is given by the life giver, the life creator, then there's something real and the transformation that needs to happen is within us. So step one is stop objectifying her. We just had the Me Too movement. We needed that. We objectify women. We objectify men. We objectify different kinds of human beings from ourselves. When it comes to nature, if you think of her as another female entity, we have to stop abusing her we prostitute her, we objectify her. All of this must stop. And that change has to happen within us. You know, Scott, I was thinking about this.
0: I was thinking about way back in the beginning of the Bible, in the book of Genesis, there's one verse in chapter one and one verse in chapter two. And I think whichever one of those you grab onto more tightly will determine how you move into this. And the one talks about Adam being put here to work the land, which to me is, is where you're with Working as I'm with the land, I'm trying to help it produce as it should. And then the other verse talks about a sense of dominating the land or ruling over all living things. And I think whichever one of those verses you identify more with might, in a spiritual sense, have something to do with the way that you look at ecology
1: it's so right on and it's a great place because you know the in the chapter one working with the land is literally becoming part of the land remember the story we are created from the land dust and we shall return to the land that's what my priest always used to say <laughs> father scott that's right now that influences chapter two or wherever it is where it says and how we've translated to God gave us dominion. dominion. Dominate. A sad, sad translation because to have dominion is from the aspect, now it's hierarchical, it's even patriarchal, that it has to do with the ideal ruler. The ideal ruler doesn't have objectifying dominion over its environment. But rather, the dominion it has is one of a caretaker that cares for all the people that you rule over, it cares for all the land, it cares to the point of sacrifice. And Jesus will take this whole thing, dominion, and turn it into servanthood and self-sacrifice. But we were never intended to be the kind of people who had dominion in a way that would alienate, separate, and objectify. It was all supposed to be integrated, deeply personal, and loving. Yes. If it doesn't make sense in the
0: context of Jesus, it doesn't make sense, period. Not to me. So, how do we tie this then? I know we already are, but how do we tie this even deeper into spirituality and then ultimately into our prayer life?
1: Right. The first step is to realize that God is present in some way within all of life. That's what keeps everything alive and going. And We talked about this Before pantheists are people who think that the tree is God, the rock is God, and panentheism is acknowledging that God's life-giving presence is within all these trees and all the grass and the animals and people and everything. There's a difference between the Creator and what is created, but God is present deeply within ourselves and within all living things. When that happens, we can have what is known as respect. I'm wearing glasses. Respect means to take another look, re, spectacle, take another look and see deeply what's there. This takes sort of a contemplative stance, which we'll get to in our next episode, but Once we realize that we're part of living within all living things, governed and ruled and brought together by our Creator, the world is a sacred place. It's not the material world. this is a world that is infused with spirituality is infused with God and therefore you don't need to go to church, you're in the church. this is it. When I think about the pandemic and all the misery and the suffering and the death that it has brought to the world, I think about the number of people that I'm with some small groups and some classes that I teach online and again and again I hear these words you know isolation, loneliness, People are talking about depression and sadness, and then it kind of switches down into their spiritual journey, like all this kind of difficulty goes down. And I know, I do know the institutional church is doing what it can in helping people find housing, giving them food to eat, clothes, being resources to them. But at the same time, the cry that I hear from individuals is that they are spiritually hungry deeper than they were ever aware of before, and that institutional stuff just doesn't seem to be filling that deepest need that they feel inside themselves. And I really believe, or else I wouldn't be doing this podcast or doing the classes that I'm doing, that this answer to the spiritual hunger is right in front of us. I want to share a story that I read a long time ago that Parker Palmer mentions. It's a very similar story that my grandma used to tell me when she was running the farm outside of Denver, Iowa, that when the blizzards were coming, and by the way, they didn't have the weather service, she would look at the moon and she could tell if there was a certain circle around the moon, the storm that's coming is going to be very bad. And she would tie a rope, a really thick rope from the post on the back porch and run it all the way out to the door handle of the barn. This is an incredibly long and heavy rope. And it sat on the back porch all winter for this reason. The blizzard would come. If you're working out in the barn, feeding, getting the hay to the cows or whatever, and it's time to go to the house. You have to hold on to that rope or you will get lost. The wind blows, the snow comes, you can't see Tragically, days after some blizzards like this, you would find farmhands scattered around Iowa who died between the barn and the house. They would find their bodies there frozen. And I was thinking about this story as that somehow we're in this storm. And if we're not careful, we're blinded and we get lost to our peril. And right Around us all the time may be this lifeline, this rope that God put there in nature, in the seasons, for us to learn how to listen to and to pray with and to realize our true part in this world. Inside all of us is the becoming of the seasons in life that we can see looking back and eventually we can see the season that we are in. But as I look back on the seasons of my life in the spring and the new growth and the zeal to live and to explore and to plant things, and then in the summer, the fullness and the energy, I could try anything. I'm from Iowa and I'm going to go to college in San Diego. I'm going to learn how to surf really. And there wasn't anything I was afraid to do. And then when I got older, and I moved into the autumn, I realized that I actually did have some wisdom to share with people. And It was a great season of gratitude and looking back, and maybe even accepting myself, you know, and my failures that were great teachers to me. And now that I've entered into the winter season, I really do think about what has been and learning to, to come full circle, to, to really accept the journey of my life and to be okay with that. And to grow in my understanding that in all the seasons of my life, God is the faithful one, the loving one, who just calls me to be receptive of what God has to offer. It's really quite a journey. And so this lifeline has been with us all along. And that's what the upcoming podcasts are going to be about. We're going to delve into in depth what it's like to pray with these four seasons, our companions. It's time to more than just think about what it means to have the image of God within us. It's time to learn ways to experience that and the living and wonderful implications of what that means to be as a child of God. Taking that, if we develop a contemplative practice and increase our awareness, when people walk through the forests in Wisconsin or they walk through the mountain trails in Colorado, we can really get a deeper and broader experience of God's presence in nature something that's very foreign to Christians who only want to find God's presence in Jesus or the Bible, I think when they find God's presence in nature, they won't find any contradictions between the Bible or Jesus. And then the third thing is that how desperately do we need this? When our eyes are open to seeing God within ourselves, then we can see God within each other. As different as we might be, whether it's in age, race, economic class, social strata, whatever. Our eyes will finally be opened to the divine presence in all living things, including each other.
0: Two additional resources on the Celtic Way website. First is a blog written by Anne Doublier called Eagles and Ospreys. There's a direct link in the show notes of this episode. Second is a class taught by Scott about praying with the seasons. There's also a direct link if you'd like to sign up for that in the show notes of this episode. If you'd like to support this podcast, please subscribe, give it an honest rating, and a review. This is the best way to get the podcast in front of as many people as possible. Visit our website at CelticWay.org and subscribe to our updates. While you're there, please consider becoming a sustainable donor so that the message of Celtic Way can continue to influence the world today. Also,
1: like us on Facebook at Celtic Way Colorado.